What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. I'm Zach Durkin, and today I am being joined by our very special guest, my brother Jordan Durkin, our resident Steeler fan. Let's go. And, as always, joined by my very sad, very sad friend, Sean Robinson. Sean, your Cowboys... They did not look good Sunday night, and to make matters worse, they lost Dak Prescott for at least four games. Are you are you off the ledge yet? Are you where are you at right now? Well, to be honest with you, Zach, if you would have asked me this question, maybe like, well, definitely if you asked me it right after the game, I would have told you I'm like my one foot is off and one foot is on. Um, I have since walked myself back a little bit uh, with the news that Dak would actually only be missing maybe like four or five games instead of what we thought would potentially be like seven or eight. So that's encouraging. But um, as far as that game is concerned on Sunday night, I don't know about you guys. I've never fallen asleep during my team's game ever in my life. And I passed out like maybe just right after halftime. Like it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I've shut games off in the middle but I don't know about falling asleep. But that game was pretty boring. I don't even think I watched it. I was watching House of the Dragon, which was a much better, you know, watch at the moment. But um, Jordan, stop talking about the losers for the week. Let's talk about our winners. Steelers made a pretty big upset against the Cincinnati Bengals. What are your thoughts on that game? It was a nice pulled out victory that I never expected to happen. I expected the Bengals to like be pissed off that they just lost the Super Bowl. But no, they lost to Mitchell Trubisky. And Blitzburg, the steel curtain is back. We're going to the fucking Super Bowl. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? All right, all oh, right. Man. Slow you your wanna, roll there. You want to call me uh, outlandish and uh, crazy after one game already? You really think that? You and now you're missing TJ Watt, too, bro. That is the injury we needed. What? What? There's some the- glass <laughs> here on this, on this What's going on here? About think about, think right about the New York Yankees right now. When they get injured, they use it as a rallying cry. Not recently, because they're pretty doo-doo. But <laughs> we're going to use this. The Steelers have always been, like happened with Shazier. When the player gets injured of his stature, everyone else steps up. Granted, our offense is still poo-poo. But, I mean, Mr. Miski didn't look it, too bad. It, it, it's more so the play calling. We should not be like doing these stupid third-down jet sweeps to fucking chase Claypool. I agree with that. that. I don't even know if that was a play that happened, but... I, for one, hate outside runs on third and short. I think it's pointless. I feel like just fucking get your fullback in there, get three tight ends on the field, and fucking pound the rock. But, um, yeah, hold the horses on the Super Bowl. You gotta get past the Patriots next week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, Sean, before we get into our Heated Rivals Weekly Preview, how can the Cowboys right the ship for Week 2 against a tough Bengals team? I guess we're jumping right into this, huh? I mean... Yeah, just, might as well, right? Might as well. Let's just, talk, let's just get our games out of the way quickly. Sean, what are the Cowboys going to have to do to beat the Bengals and stun the world? <sighs> a lot is going to have to go right, okay? Um, it first starts off with kind of taking a page out of the Steelers' playbook. And contrary to what Jordan actually said, I do think a lot of that jet sweep and like those motion-type plays are actually pretty effective against this Bengals team. You're a fool. Um, but I think it could be... We could use it to our benefit a little bit more. I think we have a little bit more speed, at least from one particular guy who I'm hoping the Cowboys use a little bit more of. Yeah, Cooper Rush. Cavante Turpin. Cavante Turpin. Turpin. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar, Cavante Turpin, um, 
I was the New Jersey general in what was the he, uh, USFL MVP yeah, or something like that. Yeah, um, as a receiver, but he's now playing kick returner, and I kind of hope they use him more in the offense. Just gives them another element of speed to the offense that I think they desperately, desperately need. But like I mentioned earlier, a lot has to go right for this Cowboys team, and I think it all is gonna rest on the shoulders of one particular player, and it's not the quarterback, it's not any of the skill position players. It's number 11, Micah Parsons. He's going to have to maintain this ridiculous pace that he's been on to start his career. Um, borderline, like, generational-type talent. So he's going to have to maintain that level of play, I think, for the Cowboys to even have a chance in any of these games. To maintain that type of play, though, you'd have to risk injury, though. I mean, I mean, you he's miss injury every time every snap. Field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I know on paper you should be a hundred percent every snap, hundred and ten percent. But I mean, realistically, to keep your body healthy, you have to take off a couple plays. And hey, if you're man. Just constantly, if you if you are the reason your team is winning, you're at a higher risk of becoming injured. All right, I I can yeah. kind of get behind that. I mean, yes. you're using Micah a lot, and you're going to use him in a lot of different ways. But I just think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, I know you hate the Cowboys, but you have to appreciate, at least from a football fan's perspective, how dominant he is. I mean, he had a pass rush win rate last week of 60%. That's like 20% higher than the next closest guy. That's insane. Now, do I think that's maintainable? No, but if you're going to tell me you're winning 40% of your pass rush snaps, at least, I'll take that, bro. That's, That's up there with the league's best. Speaking on Micah Parsons, what do you think of the little back and forth he had with Leonard Fournette on Twitter? I know Leonard Fournette got a nice little chip block in there. Micah Parsons was like, oh, did you see all the other times I played against him? Yeah, that's fine. Do you think that that kind of block should be taken out of the game, or do you think that that's football? Uh, For instance, I think the cut block, I think anything, the any, cut block, any cut yeah. block between the legs has under the knee out. should be taken out. Listen, you can argue that the defensive player should do something different, maybe engage a little better, but listen, how I, are you going to get that low, but... Going back to the chip lock, but do you do you think that that's you know a football play, or do you think that that's more so like kind of a bitch move? I don't know. I mean, Michael was completely engaged with another player, you know, and then the half second that he disengages, Leonard Fournette just completely levels him from the blind side. And I think he was still engaged, but the only time that's a penalty is if you cup lock. Cup lock, yeah. So I personally don't like the play. I get it. It's football. It's a little bit of a dirty play. I'll, I'm going to side with Micah here, and I don't think anybody's surprised that I am, but I, I think you feel the same way. It, that that play is I mean, kind of iffy. But if, if let's, let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's say you got Aaron Donald coming off the edge against the Cowboys, and you see Zeke throw a nice little, give him a little something-something under the uh, shoulder pads and knocks him on his ass. You're going you're gonna to get pumped about that. Well, yeah, I mean, as, so long as Aaron Donald wasn't already engaged with, like, Tyler Smith or something, you know what I mean? Like, it. It it was a bang bang play, so I think it's kind of tough to judge. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards the side of Micah. Okay, well, unfortunately for you, Sean, the Giants did get a victory this week too, and yes. I am a very happy Giants fan. I don't you you left before the game started, but um, it was it was a terrible week for me because everybody in the NFC East, including the Commanders, won, and like pretty you know. Pretty cool fashion for mm-hmm. the most part, I'd say. I mean, fuck the Eagles, but like, but then there's my Cowboys who came out incredibly flat and only mustered three points, which was the lowest total in the entire NFL. And they were the only team not to score a touchdown for the entirety of Week One. So that was pretty depressing to yeah. have to deal with. That's that's it's not fun. No, not at all. I've been on that side of things, Sean, and I'm happy that I'm not going into Week Two. 
You know how many games the Giants have lost on the last second field goal? Some bullshit. It's nice to finally have one swing our way, for lack of a better term. But I think the Giants had a perfect game plan for Derrick Henry. I mean, he did rush for 80-something yards, but for the most part, he was pretty neutralized. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Tannehill didn't play his best game, but, you know, the defense balled out. The offense got going in the second half behind the fucking legs of Saquon Barkley. He pretty much carried us to a victory. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I know you're fucking ecstatic to see Saquon looking like his old self again. Oh, yeah. At 100%. least for a week. Oh, my God, dude. It's not even so much of the fact that that guy is back. It's just he's been hurt the last, like, three years. So you haven't really been able to see him get going, but... Going, in, going into the season, on a, full, a fully healthy offseason, going into week two, against the Carolina team that, let's be honest, gave it the second most rushing yards to the Cleveland Browns last week. Which I said was going to happen. I said, how are, how are the Browns going to win that game? Right. They exactly. needed Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to go off, and they both did, and they ended up winning the game. But it's going to be a little bit of a different week for those uh, Carolina Panthers. But do you know who gave it the most yards rushing in week one? The Tennessee Titans. That would be the Tennessee Titans. Saquon had 164 rushing yards. So I think Saquon's going to be licking his chops a little bit, urging out the opportunity to get against that Carolina Panthers defensive line and defense. All right. So we're looking at the Giants are fav- the Giants favored by two points, over under a 43 and a half. How are you feeling about this game, Zach? Like, what, what do you think is going to end up being the final score? I think... I think it really comes down to how the Giants can cover Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Baker doesn't necessarily scare me. I know they got some speed on the outside, but, like, for instance, DJ Moore is probably one of the most... Like, I don't know what his fucking deal is. He has such a high value and a high, like, praise, but he doesn't really do anything. He's kind of like Mike Williams in the way where he's either boom or bust. I think Mike Williams is much better now. I think I, I agree. Much, much more of a complete receiver than he was in passing. Mike Williams has to be a complete receiver. He's the only receiving option now. Yeah, yeah that's true. But, Mike Williams um, also has a better quarterback throwing him the football. But as as far as the anomaly of DJ Moore is concerned, who has been his who have been his quarterbacks? He had one year of halfway decent Cam Newton, okay, and then the rest of his quarterbacks have been what PJ Walker. Uh, Sam, Sam Darnold, Darnold Baker, Baker Mayfield, and like Kyle Allen for a little Ooh, bit, I think. That's rough. You know, that's pretty rough. And granted, you know, he's put up some numbers here and there, pretty much inconsistent throughout his career. But I, I love DJ Moore as a player. He's, he was one of those guys that we were like, oh, maybe they were trying to recreate like what they had with Steve Smith back in the day. Definitely not at that level, but has the talent to hopefully get there. I just think he needs a better quarterback and. Baker Mayfield, as far as I'm concerned right now, is not that guy. Well, I hope he's not th- that guy on <laughs> Sunday. I'm going to the game. I'm trying to go and see a victory, but um, I think that stadium is going to be popping. I really kind of can't wait to get there. But as far as a score prediction is concerned, I mean, last year we beat them 25-3. to Don't get me wrong, Baker's a better quarterback than Sam Donald and P.J. Walker, and they do have Christian McCaffrey, but they also did allow over 200 yards on the ground. Their offensive line... I'm not really sold on them. I mean, we're not getting Thibodeau or Ojolari back until next week against your Cowboys, probably. We'll talk about that next week, because we'll have a lot to talk about then. Yes. But, you know, I think Jihad Ward really kind of set the edge against Derrick Henry. He did a really good job there. Zimenez was actually one of the better pass... Um, was, like, the highest-graded defensive player. Yeah, I, that was pretty surprising. <laughs> we were talking a hell of shit about him, too. Yeah. Um, in terms of the offense, I think that our bookend left, left and right tackle are going to have... You know, no problems. Andrew Thomas was the second great, highest graded offensive tackle in the week. He's kind of coming into his own as a stud in the NFL. Evan Neal only allowed one pressure on like 35 pass blocking snaps. So 
really, really excited to see what happens there. I think if Saquon gets going early and often, it's going to be history, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, this game is really contingent on what Saquon Barkley does. Mm-hmm. If, it, if he has a good game running the ball and he's effective out of the backfield catching it, I think you guys are going to cruise to a victory here because that Panthers team just isn't as good as I thought people were hyping them up to be. I feel like the Panthers are like kind of on the way out. Like Matt Rule is kind of last year. Yeah, things he's definitely really, on the hot seat. 100%. Yeah, things aren't going his way. But you know, of poor coaching, Sean. What do you, we got to go back to the Cowboys and Bengals? We didn't really get a full breakdown of that game. But one of the question marks that I had watching the Buccaneers and Cowboys game was what are these plays being called? What is the whole scheme on the offense? What do you think Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator should or could do differently to kind of right the ship there? I mean. This is a very loaded question. There's a lot of things I think he could do to, you know, fix what I think is just a completely disjointed offense right now. I think nobody knows where to be, um, at what time they have to be there, you know what I mean? So there's just a lot of things wrong right now. I think they need to get back to the basics. Um, when the Cowboys were really humming over, like, the last, like, five, six years, they were a power run offense. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott obviously is not the same guy he was five, six years ago. But I still think he can be effective if used properly. And I think we saw early on in the Bucks game, he still has some of that juice. Now, you're going to have to spell him more with Tony Pollard and stop using Tony Pollard out of the slot and all these fucking reverse trick plays because it's just not working. And use them more in traditional two-back sets. You know what I mean? But what I think has been probably the biggest flaw of this offense, and you're going to be surprised that I'm going to say this right now, um, is the lack of a true number one wide receiver. Wow. Yeah. Are you off the CD bandwagon? I'm not off the CD bandwagon, not by any means necessary, but I will acknowledge the fact that over the last, like, eight or nine games that I've seen him play in, he has not been you think even they, close to a number one wide receiver. You think they found him out? I don't think he's what been think found he out. Needs? You think he needs another receiver on the other side? I think he might need... Like Juju. Yeah, Juju I think maybe. he might need an, a, a solid number two. I think not having Michael Gallup right now is hurting him So you ton. think he is number one? He just He's a number one that needs a number two. Yes. He's the Cowboys number Correct. one by default. Everyone yeah. else on that offense is kind of a Mickey Mouse offense. Yeah. <laughs> You're relying on Devontae <laughs> Turpin, a former USL MVP. No, you know, that's impressive and all, but he's a USFL, USFL player to be your X-Factor. Your offensive line isn't quite what it was, so your power run game is taking a hit there. Zach Martin is the only remaining piece on that field. But but wait, they weren't even all that bad. With the exception of Farinock, uh, Matt Farinock coming in after Connor McGovern got hurt, they really weren't that bad. I mean, Tyler Smith played a pretty good game. I got to give it to him. I mean, granted, I, all things considering, they only scored three points, but like, I thought he was decent. I didn't think he gave up a ton of pressure. I think he gave up two. So against like a pretty decent Bucks defense, so yeah, all things considered, I think the line could have played a lot worse. But uh, they do got they just got to step it up on offense, man. I just I got to see more. I mean, they're the Cowboys, and they came out and looked like the fucking Cowboys from the Little Giants movie. Well, did, was it any kind of like compensation that you held the Bucks to nineteen points? I mean, they they boast a pretty good team, and the fact that you were able to keep them within reach. I mean, if your offense was playing somewhat decent would have been a much better game oh yeah 100 percent, and that's why i feel like the defense is going to be the thing that keeps us afloat in the uh in this in dax absence you know what i mean um if they can just play the way they've been playing which i think works you know you hold teams to like 17 20 21 ish points and no, just pray to god that cooper rush can just dish the ball out 
efficiently and not take too many bad plays, um, you can kind of just maintain until Dak gets back. But we'll see. That's the hope, right? It's wishful thinking. <laughs> now, speaking of wishful thinking, Jordan, let's get back to what you said earlier. You got Super a bowler bust. Super bowler bust. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitch Trubisky. You guys got a matchup with the New England Patriots in Pittsburgh, and surprising to me and Sean, and I'm sure you, New England's favored by two and a half points on the road. Steelers' defense looked really good. They looked like they could be a top-five unit, really legit. Minka Fitzpatrick's a menace. T.J. Watt going out kind of hurts them, but Definitely. it's only like a month he'll be out, I think. I don't think his torn pack needs surgery. How are you feeling going into this New England game, given the fact that you guys are underdogs at home? I think, which I think is kind of... I'm sorry to cut you off. I think that's super disrespectful, considering how bad the Pats played last week against the Dolphins, mm-hmm. which we said would happen. Um, I could I could see it though. It's uh, you think you could lose? I think we could lose. Listen, any given Sunday. Because think about it. No one expected the Giants to beat the Titans. We all thought because it's a Week One game, anything could happen. Of course, but that's the same thing with every Sunday, except you start to know what the teams you're going up against are. Yes. The Giants, I think, won that game on their own volition, whereas I feel like, being real, the, the Steelers football got gods had, The football gods were on your side? Well, no, no, no. Let's not get crazy. The Giants aren't winning Super Bowls anytime soon, but they won off of a missed field goal. Yeah, I'm not but, out here saying the Giants are going to be a fucking juggernaut now just because they won on a missed field goal. We're literally within, like, a foot away from losing that game. But, listen, yeah, but... Listen, luck plays a part in almost every... NFL game. I think certain teams do tend to get a little luckier than others, but I mean, look at the Seahawks. Uh, but no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. As far as the Steelers are concerned, I honestly, Jordan, I like the Steelers in the spot on Sunday. I think they're going to be riding high after that win, and you know, T.J. Watt is going to be on the field pumping up the defense. And I, I don't know. That's, I don't think the steel curtains back. I think that's a little outlandish to say, but you know, outlandish to me. Yeah, well, that's why you're. Steelers you know what though? If Vegas gives the Patriots two, I'm giving the Steelers plus three on my own bias. All right. So, so you're doing like an alternate spread? You're giving the Steelers plus three? Yes. Okay. All because right. Mac Jones doesn't have that dog in him. Nah, he really. He doesn't. showed it last week. <laughs> I really have on my fantasy it. team too. He just completely laid a goose egg for me. It was bad. Why do you have Mac Jones starting in your fantasy league, Jordan? He was my second QB flex. I thought, hey, two QBs. What could go wrong? <laughs> That's true. It, it could go wrong. Relying on Mac Jones. Huh? What do you think? Now, like, listen, Najee really didn't do anything week one. He kind of had, what, 23 rushing yards? Coming off of what was supposed to be a big foot injury for him was a lace frank injury in the offseason. He kind of re-aggravated it week one. Is, do you think it's going to be in limitations? Is it going to be like a snap count for no. him? The Steelers always run their running backs into the ground, no matter what the contract is. Happened with Le'Veon. Le'Veon was actually a good catch and then uh, yards after catch running back. And he would, while he did run, he would break tackles, but he was very patient. Najee needs a good O-line. Our O-line is probably 32 out of 32. You think it's the worst offensive line in the league? Judging by the last game, we haven't had a solid running game for how many seasons now? Hmm, probably. Since Le'Veon left. And Le'Veon didn't even need the offensive line. Well. I don't know about that. I think everyone needs an offensive line. They but. do, but at the same time, you have Ben was on. He was like starting to go to his check down. Yeah, we were seeing the career. transformation of Ben Roethlisberger. Le'Veon was an elite running back at the time. Who he was an elite. He offensive wanted more weapon. money because yeah. of how he was in the passing game too. Of course, I understand. So when Ben checks down to Le'Veon, he's already 
He knows what movie has to make. I think Najee is much more of a pure running back as opposed yeah. to what Le'Veon Bell was. And Le'Veon Bell was just offensive I think weapon. if you give him four or five years, he could be a very good power back. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he, I think he's great now. It's he's, just he's hurt a Yeah, little bit. I mean, he's great now. He's going to be hurt for probably a season. You know, he's. we'll see if he misses time at all. But I feel like they should get him into open field more. He's, you know, deceivably shifty. He's a big dude, but he can move. He's powerful as fuck. I'm pretty sure you've seen all the videos of those stiff arms and the trucks that he had. But I feel like getting him out in space on screens, swings, he not he's not Le'Veon Bell in the receiving game, but you give him the ball in open space with a blocker or two in front of him. And he can make something happen. Yeah. yeah. And that comes down to our offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, who Steelers fans have been wanting to get let go since he got hired. Well, since how long that first season. It was like towards the end of Ben's like last year or two. So he like signed on. Twenty twenty? Yeah. Around there. Okay. Well, even then, even before offensive coordinators weren't that good, we would always, like I said, do stupid plays and plays where we shouldn't. Like, we would lose games we're supposed to win. All right, well... And then we'd win games we aren't supposed to win, so... All right, so just to be clear, you you have the Steelers losing this game? I have them winning. Winning? Yes. By how much? I have the Steelers winning 17-0 going through the season. That's just a Steelers fan perspective. Being a realist, yeah. being a realist, I still see us winning. But I don't think it's going to be like an easy win. I think give me it's a, give me a score a, like seventeen thirteen. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any of the teams reaching twenty points. So then okay. you take the Steelers minus three. Then yeah, I think you said plus three before. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Steelers right. going to be minus cool. three. I think so seventeen thirteen Steelers. I like that. I can yeah, see that happening. I mean, absolutely, the offense got to get it going a little bit. But you know, New England doesn't necessarily scare me against that team. Not at all. Um, but it's really, just you don't know what to expect. It's the first Brady Roethlisberger list game of the Steelers and Patriots, and it's in what? It's in uh, Gillette, right? Yeah. No, no it's, oh, it's, it's home. It's, it's home. home. It's in Hines. No, it's no, Hines anymore. not Hines anymore. Wow. Wow. Jordan. Wow. What is Steelers? I don't care. Fan. Steelers fans, we still consider it Hines Field. Fuck Acre shirt. <laughs> Fuck insurance. Let's get all out of here. Bring me back my ketchup bottles. Speaking of Tom Brady and you know insurance, the dude's kind of old. Let's get into our next game before we get too carried away with that. It's our last one o'clock game. But before we get into that, we just want to apologize to you guys for the absolute shit quality of recording that we've been putting out. Our uh, sound engineer over here, Sean, <clears throat> really kind of dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, sorry. Um, I should probably uh, turn on the interface next time, right? That would be ideal. But getting into this Bucks saints game, the Buccaneers go to New Orleans as two-and-a-half-point road favorites over under a set at 43-and-a-half, which... To me, seems kind of low. Now, the Bucks didn't look too great against the Cowboys, but, you know, you can thank Michael Parsons for that. And the Saints played some game against the Falcons last week. They had to come back all the way and score, like, in the last second to win that game. Yeah, I mean, um, Jameis Winston, as cringe as he is, he seems to have found a home in New Orleans. And I think, you know, the marriage between the Saints and Jameis is, is going to bear some uh, pretty pretty sweet fruit for New Orleans fans. Um they got that they had that nice comeback win last week. Mike Thomas finally was relevant in the world of the NFL for the first time in what <laughs> 2 years. So that was pretty cool. Um I love the Saints defense. Uh, I think they're going to be a great unit this year. And you know, if the offense can keep doing what they're doing led by uh the cringe bot himself who honestly if we're talking about cringiest players in the NFL, I think he's probably second to Russell Wilson. But oh, yeah. Jameis Winston is pretty high on that list. Um, 
Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. So, um, so do you think Tom Brady goes zero five in his career to the Saints? Yeah, I mean he's zero four to start. Well, as a Buccaneer right? at least. Okay, yeah, I mean history history speaks for itself. I think the Saints get this done. Saints are playing at home, which is always a big advantage, you know. Uh, and I really like them this year. So, give me the Saints. Uh, I like the Bucks. Really? Yeah, I just feel like, like you said, it's they would say that zero four, zero five. Well, they're due for one. Brady's not going. Brady has probably has a whole list in his house of just things he wants to do before he retires. And he's not going to be like, "Oh, I didn't beat the Saints." Well, one of those one of those things is not going to be Giselle Bundchen because they are no longer living together wow. at the moment. But uh, you've been really on par with these little digs the last couple weeks, huh? Look at Brady. Yeah, what's Who, going on here? Last week was Deshaun Watson. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. You've been. I was saying how I, I was saying how Brady was going to get finally like, his release. Like he's gonna be able to let out some frustration from this whole situation that he's been in, but um, whatever. All right, let's get to the four o'clock slate of games here. We got the Seahawks visiting the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are opening as nine and a half point favorites, and I was talking to you about this earlier, guys. We've noticed some kind of trendy things going on here. Some really big lines this week. Oh yeah, I mean tremendous lines. I uh, we got the Niners, like you said, nine and a half point favorites. I think we had a couple of ten point lines. Yeah, the Bills um, are favored by ten or something like that. I mean they're the only ones that were deserving. I think there was a couple of other teams. The Rams were favored by ten. The Packers were favored by ten too. Person, go on the other dogs. This is the week to get paid. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. Um, especially in that Packers game. I really, really loved what I saw out of Justin Fields last week, guys. I know they played in a fucking monsoon, and that was your prototypical Chicago Bear win, I guess you could say. But I don't know. They showed a lot of grit against the, you know, who I had, to, who I had being uh, the representative from uh, the NFC West this year in the 49ers. But um, you see, I feel like in those kind of games, though, it's really up in the air who's going to win. Like, I feel like skill goes out the window, game plan goes out the window. When it's raining like that or snowing or anything in those kind of conditions, it doesn't matter who the better team is. The team that makes the least mistakes and the team that capitalizes is going to win the game. And it was surprisingly the Bears last Sunday. So, uh... Do you guys remember last season when the Patriots just ran the ball the whole time in the game? Yeah, it was the Bills-Patriots uh, Bills game, I think. It was in... Was in, it, it was in, in New England, I believe, that game. Was it in New England? Or Buffalo, one of the two. But, the, yeah, I think Mac Jones had, like, three pass attempts that game. Yeah, and it was, like, what, like, negative 15, 20 he was, degrees? He was, like, so close to, like, 100% completion, right? I think he went two for three. Yeah. Guys, I think we've gotten a little bit off topic here with this 49ers and Seahawks game. Anyway, um, as far as the Niners are concerned, I know they are, what, nine-and-a-half-point favorites? Yep. Um... I don't know. I liked what I saw out of Seattle on Monday night against the Broncos. I think they showed a lot of grit. Now, you can say that they played the best game that they're ever going to play. More like the best half. They didn't do anything after halftime. Also true. Um, And that kind of leads me to believe that the Niners will get this right. I think it was a little bit of a fluke what happened to them in week one, you know, especially with the weather conditions being what they were. Um, I think they get right here. Uh, Spoiler alert, Debo Samuel is in our uh, fantasy must plays this week, so... I think he's going to have a really big game. I know George Kittle's not fully healthy yet, but I think we're going to see a little taste of what Kyle Shanahan had been hoping that Trey Lance would bring to the offense. I just want to touch on one thing, all right? So far in their respective NFL careers, Trey Lance has, what, gotten three starts? I think five now. Five? Yeah. And he's been absolutely shitted on for whatever reason. And you got a guy that's a little farther down, down the southeast in Trevor Lawrence. Who in his how many starts? 17, 18? 18, no, right? 18 starts. I think he has what, 10 touchdown passes? 
something like that. Yeah. That's not good. When when are we gonna stop kind of coddling Trevor Lawrence and being like, yo, like, come on, you, you gotta start doing something here. Listen, you Urban Meyer, whatever. But if you're just supposed to be this next generational talent, like an Andrew Luck or a Peyton Manning. You got to show something in your rookie year. I hear you, but I think we still got to give it some more time. I, I just don't understand the hate Trey Lance gets for his like third or fourth start. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, I still think he has some time to develop, and you know, there's that video going around of him at the strip club, which like Jimmy G gets. Do what you gotta do, bro. Jimmy G gets with a porn star. He's a hero. Trey Lance goes to a strip club. He's a villain. Yeah, I don't get it, and I think we all know why. We'll save that conversation for another day, but. Um, as far as the game is concerned, like I said, I think the 49ers get right here. Um, let's move on. I don't know about the nine and a half points, though. I, I think they win by 10. It's tough. I think okay. they win by 10. They're home. Bet it now when you have the chance. Yeah, take it. Do it now before the line goes down. Because once it starts getting around like eight and a half, I don't know. We made that very clearly yesterday. We should re-record that and use that as like an official tag. That was pretty good. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, let's close. Let's close out with these last two games. We got the Sunday night football game, uh, which brings the Chicago Bears traveling to Green Bay to take on uh, probably a pretty pissed off Aaron Rodgers, don't you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah. This 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 is gonna be Aaron Rodgers' five six touchdown game. What do you think? I mean, he does own them. He, he it's, it's, sure it's, it's been proven that he does own them. He so does. I think Aaron Rodgers gets it right this week. It's hard when your receivers are dropping wide open passes that would have been touchdowns. And, you know, Aaron Jones didn't really do much, but A.J. Dillon picked up a lot of the slack and the player that we really liked going into the season in fantasy purposes. Um, but I don't know, man. I think the Bears, I don't think they played all that great last week against the 49ers. I think they got kind of lucky. Some things rolled their way. And like you said, the weather. Um, the Packers at 10-point favorites. It's a little high for me, especially the way they came out against the Vikings and the fact that the Bears aren't, like, you know, god-awful. But I don't know, man. I think the Bears plus 10 is a smarter play. I just don't know if the Packers can cover. The over-under of 41.5 is intriguing, but I wouldn't touch that either. I think you stay away from the over-under, and honestly, I'm going to roll with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers here, and I would take the minus 10.5. I feel confident here. I think we see, like, a 24-3, even, like, even like twenty four seven, I'll give I'll give the Bears a touchdown. Maybe Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields hook up for a long touchdown pass. But um, I like I I just I'm not gonna go against Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? It's just I've done that too many times and I've gotten burned by it. So don't doubt the man. Well, I think part of that has to do with the fact that you're a Cowboy fan. Aaron Rodgers is not particularly like your franchise. No, but whatever. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> yet. That still has to come. But um, the last game of our Heat Arrivals Weekly Preview is going to include one of the two Monday Night Football games. One of them is at 7.20, I believe, or 7.15 on yeah. ABC, and the other one's on ESPN at like 8.30. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about uh, the later one, though. Yeah, the Vikings are going to Philadelphia to visit the Eagles. Eagles are opening up as two-and-a-half-point favorites, which, again, surprises me. They did, they did put up 38 against the Lions and almost lost that game, but you got to be impressed with what the Vikings did against the Packers last week. So, Oh, yeah, I'm 100%. I mean, we we said it on this podcast. I told you that was going to be the game that Kirk Cousins looked really good, and the Vikings as a whole were fucking awesome against the Packers. The Packers came out completely flat, and the Vikings, you know, took that and ran with it. I mean, 
Not really sure what you're doing by leaving a linebacker on Justin Jefferson as often as they did. Don't think that really is a smart way to uh, he also took play Jair. defense. Jair Alexander also wanted to cover Jefferson, and he got lost a couple times. Oh, I, I saw it. Listen, I'm not doubting Justin Jefferson. He's probably the best receiver in the NFL right now. Uh, but I'm just saying I probably wouldn't do that if I were a defensive coordinator. Right. Anyway, um, as far as this game is concerned, this is tough for me because you know I, I have a disdain for both of these franchises in some regard. I mean, more the Vikings not so much as a franchise; it's more just their quarterback. The Eagles, fuck the Eagles. Fuck the Eagles. This is tough because I I I want to roll with the Vikings plus two and a half, but it's in Philly. That kind of worries me a little bit, and the Eagles may be riding high from their. Uh, Last second, you know, win, I got to say, because they almost fucking threw that game away against the Lions. And I told you those Lions are fucking pesky. But, again, it was the Lions, so we got to temper expectations a little bit. Um, Not this week, though. I guess. I, I don't know. I'm rolling with the Vikings plus two and a half. I, I, I think the Vikings will end up losing, but I think it's going to be close. All right, so that's going to close out our weekly preview uh, segment of the episode. Um, let's get into something that I had a little bit more success in last week, and that was the blind confidence pool. Uh, I won my three-point play and my two-point play last week, and Zach, I believe you only won your two-point play? Yes, Sean, I only won my two-point play. Congratulations on the first week victory. I'm pretty yeah. sure last year you had the same results. But. Yeah, I actually think I swept last year on the first week, and that didn't really work out for me too well, but... We're back for another week, so let's go with week two. Uh, Zach, do you want to start off with your picks? Yes. Loser's duties. Start off with the first pick. So my one-point play is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, plus two and a half against New England. Yes. My two-point play is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, plus three at home against the Colts, who, for the record, haven't won there in the last six seasons. I love that pick. Matt Ryan. Great pick. He's going to be without his first two receivers, which is... um. What's the guy's name? Pittman and Pierce. Alec Pierce, right? Yeah, so they're not going to play. Who the fuck's going to carry the load? Jonathan Taylor. We'll talk about him a little later in the episode. But my three-point play is then going to be Minnesota plus two and a half against the Eagles. All right, good. Very nice, very nice. Uh, let's go with my picks. I got my three-point play here is going to be Baltimore minus three and a half that against the Miami me. Dolphins. Yeah, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking for me, too. I'm not going to lie. It took me like 15 minutes to come up with a three-point play. But um, my two-point play, love this team this week playing a lowly commander's team that, you know, had a nice win against Jacksonville last week. But Detroit played pretty well, too, and I like them at home, so give me Detroit minus one and a half. And my one-point play, kind of banking on the Raiders putting it all together this week and, you know, having a good showing at home. So I think they get it done against the Cardinals this week, and I took them minus five and a half. So Interesting games. We we pretty much stayed away from all the bigger... Yeah, I kind of kind of went a little low key here this week because those big lines scared the shit out of me, especially in some of those games. I just thought they were way too high. But uh, let's move on to our next segment, and that's going to be our fantasy favorites of the week. Kind of came out pretty mid last week, if I got to be completely honest with you. Uh, there are two newest segments. Didn't really do all that well, but we're we're confident we can bounce back this week. And let's give you guys five guys that we think this week are going to hit in fantasy. Number five. Sun God, Mr. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, exploded for like what 20 something points last week. Something I think like just, that. just under that. Right. Um, number four, Nick Chubb, gonna be a big week for him again. That Cleveland run game is gonna be pivotal to their success this year, and he looks as healthy as ever. Number three, 
a guy who me and Zach just mentioned is going to have to carry the entire load for his offense this week. We'll see how well he can do with that. That's going to be Jonathan Taylor. Number two, bit of a bounce back week for this guy. He had a big fumble and a loss last week to the Bears. Debo Samuel, I think at home, they're really going to get that offense humming. And obviously, Debo Samuel is always a big part of that. Well, Elijah Mitchell getting hurt doesn't really help the 49ers, but it helps Debo's workload. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. And no, Mitchell's a fantasy bust. Oh, that's saying... that's Don't don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I know, Elijah you're Mitchell's pretty out for two months on the IR. I got to rely on Melvin Gordon, who is splitting carries with Javante Williams, who put up 18 points. Melvin Gordon, hold on to the fucking ball on the goal line. How about that, all right? Whatever. And our number one fantasy favorite of the week, Sean, my boy, yes, Saquon sir. Barkley. Yes, sir. Posting 164 yards rushing and a touchdown last week against the Titans. He goes up against the Carolina Panthers, whose defense ranks second in most rushing yards allowed per game. In one game. In one game. But he had a great game last week and definitely looking to duplicate that success this week. And it's I think it's pretty pivotal to what the Giants want to do for the rest of the year. So Saquon Barkley, look for him to have a really big game this week. And to round out this episode, we are going to give you guys the uh, heated rivals can't miss parlay. And now I know our can't miss parlay last week absolutely bombed and missed. But we're coming back this week. We feel confident here. And uh, we're going to try again. So let me run through this real quick. Uh, for the first leg of the parlay, I got the Lions. Minus one and a half at minus 110. Then I got the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three at minus 110. Cleveland money line at minus 270. And over 43 and a half in the Bucks in New Orleans game at minus 118. Add that all together and you get a value at plus 822. So $100 bet nets you about $830 for a total of 932 uh, is your total winnings. So some pretty solid chuck and change to win this week if uh, if this actually hits. And for those of you who have brains and you know, take everything that we just said and do the opposite based on last week. There and you you'll go. win 100% of the time. There you go. Well, all right. That's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Just want to thank Jordan for coming on and sharing some insight with us as wild and as outlandish as it may be. It's always fun to have you on the podcast, buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> I hope you didn't take that as like a... That was just an underhand. <laughs> I was going to say, I was waiting for somebody to say it. Uh, l- listen, I admire I admire the passion because I cannot be as enthusiastic as you are about your team. Like, listen, I know Cowboys fans come out fan. and say some... No, nope, pr- you're not a real fan. Sean's a fraud. <laughs> Sean's a fraud. Fraud L- Cowboys fan. Fraud. Zach, come on. Would, would you guys feel as confident... Stephen A. is a bigger Cowboy fan than you. Oh, stop that. Stephen A. is my my favorite person on some days. I can't stand Stephen A. I hope he falls in a ditch somewhere. (laughs) That is an elderly man you're talking about. Him and Skip Bayless, for the record. Do you think it looks like he's dying? Good. (laughs) Do you think that like if you fought them, either one of them one-on-one, that you'd have a chance? Yeah. So Skip's built. What are you talking about? Fuck Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is built, bro. Fuck Skip Bayless. (laughs) He is the absolute epitome of everything that's wrong with Cowboy fans. So... Fuck Skip Bayless. That's how we're ending today's episode, okay? Thank everybody for listening. Uh, you guys know you can catch us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, not TikTok. Yeah, that was just a fail. It's an That was almost as fail. bad as our Camus Parlay from last week. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Can um, we hit her up again? Oh, wow. Damn, Jordan. You really had to go there, huh? 
All right, I think we need to say goodbye now. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Take care. Peace. The Heated Rivals podcast is not responsible for any financial or property loss you will most likely accrue from heeding their betting advice. You make your own luck. Happy betting.